Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, 1123. Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. <laughs> Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here to talk about the offense from that week 13 loss to the Steelers, a uh, late game on Sunday. Here to talk about it with me, Voss Laricos of Baltimore Beatdown. Voss, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, Ken. Thanks for having me. Unfortunately, uh, after, after a loss. Yeah, always uh, a bummer. Obviously, a divisional loss, a big one. Uh, this has playoff implications in a lot of different ways, you know, in terms of tiebreakers with teams like the Bengals with potentially, uh, you know, standings position with the Steelers, though it won't be a tiebreaker in all likelihood with them. Uh, you know, what's your take right now on their likely chance, their chance to make the playoffs? I think they still have a strong chance to make the playoffs. According to 538, 83% as it stands today. However, maybe more importantly than the loss of the game was the loss of Marlon Humphrey. I think that does limit their ceiling potentially of what how far they can go in January. When you think about it, Ronnie Stanley, Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey, three or five best players on enter reserve. Yeah, certainly a lot of the salary cap devoted to that uh, injured reserve list. 
I'm, I'm upset certainly about the about the Humphrey injury. It's an enormous loss. It, almost nobody could be bigger on the team. But Patrick McCary was the only good tackle they had this year, and he's the only guy who's played it at all well. He's again gone for at least several weeks. Uh, at least is the word I got today. So uh, you know, another big loss, and potentially you know, also with Phillips, the guy who's coming in behind him, it could look like that is even a bigger injury than the Humphrey injury. Sure, sure. McCary's been scrappy. He's been fighting. Apparently, it was a hand injury. I think you have to imagine some kind of fracture, probably. Obviously, you don't want to speculate on that, but to have an offensive lineman leave the game, it's yeah, most likely something significant that's going to cost a couple weeks. Yeah, I, I agree. It's uh, you know they, They're like hockey players a lot of the time, but there's at least got to be some sort of very painful damage to the hand, I would think, or he would be, he would be back out there. All right, let's jump right into the Ravens' scheme in this one. Uh, a lot, of, a few differences. I want to talk about some of the same things again. But one thing interesting about this game they did, didn't do in previous weeks, or not very often anyway, is they didn't have a running back at all on seven plays in this game. So kind of a new wrinkle for the offense. They're still trying to keep it fresh. Yes, uh, Greg Rubin was talking about going into the vault at, at, uh, before the game. Um, I noticed they used Devin DuVernay on uh, orbit motion quite a bit and yep. certainly a whole lot of pre-snap motion as has been accustomed to in this offense. Um, you would think if they had some grand uh, scheme to unveil, they wouldn't be holding on to it for too much longer. But um, they did make some changes here. Yeah, obviously this, was, this would have been a game to, to bring out the scheme and try and win the ball game. Uh, some of the, some of these things, obviously, with Roman, he's trying to show them one more thing. So in the last four weeks, when they look at the the advanced scouting, they're they're going to see things and say, "Hey, the Ravens are doing this now. You got to watch for orbit motion and know how to defend that." And that gives them one more thing to work on. Uh, but they did a good job with that. I thought the the some of the times they had it back in the game when the, when they had Freeman, they floated him out very early over that right sideline to give to give Lamar an early target rather than having to wait for the normal time for that swing pass to develop. More like. Freeman's going to know, and Mars going to be able to see where that ball is going right out of his hand. Yeah, yeah, sprint it out to uh, to his alignment, and that's really what this these blitz beaters they need to be. You know, they need mm-hmm. to give him underneath targets so that he has somewhere to go with the ball. Yeah, looked pretty good on that. I mean, I, I think that Freeman uh, showed some showed some positive signs in this game as a runner, as a receiver. Certainly, um, I, I thought Latavius Murray. Uh, he's got nothing left as a runner, and I think the Ravens have finally figured that out. He might have had a carry in this game, might have even had two carries in this game for one yard or something. Exactly. But they're, they're done with him as a runner. I think we can say that's the case now. But to have him have two plays as a receiver now opens up a new option for his use. Yes, and both were almost chunk plays, picked up first down on both receptions. That was very good to see the backs involved. Nate McCrary was activated in lieu of Tyson Williams. I think he had two or three snaps. Um, they really did stick with Freeman. Freeman had the lion's share of the work in this game. Yeah, McCrary just one one carry, his first in the NFL for minus one yard. So hopefully it doesn't end there. Um, but yeah, most of the most of the running, certainly fourteen of the seventeen running back carries were uh, were Freeman. Uh, one thing I've been I've been talking about week to week is the number of inline players they've been using because it's been growing and growing and it's really been restricting the amount of receiver usage they had. So two things that improved the amount of total receiver snaps in this game 
One was the fact they have seven plays with no running backs. So that gives them seven additional wide receivers, if you want to think about it that way. And the other is that they were down to 1.64 in-line eligibles per play, meaning tight ends, uh, fullbacks, and six offensive linemen. They didn't have any six offensive linemen in this game. So, th- But those are the three groups I would consider for it. Tight end snaps were down generally. Uh, Nick Boyle's absence played a role in that. Absolutely. Boyle, I still ailing from that tough knee injury. And he was uh, deactivated for this game. Obviously, Tomlinson filled in, but he did not have a tremendous amount of snaps. Rykard at 51% of snaps. Uh, a little bit surprised by that. But again, I think Roman is experimenting with different things. What can get this offense clicking? Right. Now, surprise high, surprise low with the Ricard. I, I'm surprised that it wasn't higher considering yes. the front they were facing. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I, you know, they used him oftentimes as a lone running back or occasionally as a lone running back when they really had no running back in the game. He was running more patterns into the secondary at, you know, kind of normal depth. It's not all just all the Bonte Leach three yard out route pattern. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a lot of patterns over the middle of the field looking for the football. And I, Lamar doesn't seem to look for him. But that's an, which is another matter. But uh, he's he's running patterns in in some sweet spots on the field. Yes, I think the one really egregious sack that Lamar took, he had Rykard wide open and just didn't look for him. But I think we'll get into that in the later section. Rykard, um, I, I think I would like to see him featured a little bit more, especially in a game robbery game where you want a tone setter sometimes. Right. Now, it was reported that, I mean, I've seen it reported all the time, some crazy stuff about how the Steelers are always playing cover zero and this and that. Uh, They really only, they did not come with a lot of six and seven man pressure in this game. In fact, looking at my score sheet right now, they had one seven and one six. Now, make it two sixes in this game. Uh, Might be be short one more. Okay, make it three and two. Uh, That's not nothing. But it's you know when you pass the ball forty four times or drop back forty four times, you expect to get some such pressures. They mostly still rushed four in this game, and when they did rush four, the Ravens got free releases across because that's one of the things that that the running back typically reacts to a four man pass rush after he sees that it's happening with an automatic free release. And they uh, you know the, the Ravens are not using the same number of set and chip blockers was the point I was making out of this. No, I definitely noticed that for sure. I thought Butler. Steelers defensive coordinator mixed up his calls pretty well. He had some nice deceptive uh, blitzes, and he was sending his slot blitz on quite a few occasions. And then later on towards the third quarter, fourth quarter, Lamar finally figured out how to defeat that. Um, But he was under a pretty good amount of pressure for most of the game, I thought. Yeah, a lot, a lot of zone blitzes. So they were still trying to get overloads with a four-man rush or to give T.J. Watt a one-on-one opportunity if they uh, – or, or, or a slot blitz, an, an unimpeded opportunity if they tried to, to uh, deal with that. So uh, they, they were trying to get opportunities. It's not like they, they, they weren't trying to be deceptive about it. They were. They did simulated pressure. They did, they did blitzes from off-ball. Uh, you know, as part of these zone blitzes, and they dropped plenty of people from the line of scrimmage. Just in terms of numbers, they really didn't rush extraordinary numbers in this game. Sure, and that's uh, that's not a good sign when they're not they're not sending extraordinary numbers, and they're still seems to have Lamar on the rest for majority of the game. Yeah, totally. Uh, Twenty-two set and chip blockers, thirteen sets, and nine chips. So only uh, half a sit. Uh, 
set slash chip blocker per play. That's really much lower than recently. We've been up to as high as 1.06 in recent weeks. So uh, they've, they've committed a lot more of their receiving uh, assets to pass blocking in past weeks than they did against the Steelers. And I've noticed Tomlinson, they put him in the slot on a couple plays. I don't think that was too effective, but it was something that, that caught my eye. Uh, just because you really expect to, at least from what we've seen in other games, to to keep more guys in. Yeah, I mean, Tomlinson's certainly a guy they almost always keep in, and uh, he definitely ran a, a couple of patterns, at least in this last game. Didn't have a particularly great game, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, had a couple penalties, uh, one for was an Ill- a false start, and then he might have been part of an illegal shift where he was one of two players moving. He didn't move much, by the way, but they... But they uh, they got him for it, and I think he was the one who shouldn't have been moving. He lost the edge a couple times against Watt, too, I noticed. Not one of his better games, for sure. Right. Uh, let's talk about run action a little bit, because that's been a big part of what the Ravens have been doing, really, since Roman got here. But but you're pulling regardless of the play type, whether it's a pass or a run, uh, pulling a guard is something they do a lot. And they, they kind of cut that down to 17 times on 69 plays this last week. And they were at like 19 of 76 last week. So it's not like it's changed a whole lot. It's about the same percentage-wise, but it's a little bit lower than I think of being optimal for the Ravens. And part of that, of course, is not able to really get the running game going. The other part of it in 2021, unfortunately, is no one really fears the Ravens' run game anymore. It's really not only limited that, but it's limited the value of Lamar. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. Another factor, the guards were uh, were having a little trouble executing their pulls. Yep. I think they resulted in, I know Zeitler missed at least one or two. Powers, hit. Uh, he had a couple ones that he executed well, but also a few that didn't work out. And, and a lot of times those plays result in tackle for loss. Yeah, they, they uh, won one of Powers polls, and this is really each of them had a play like this where they tried to pull the opposite side and were just a step too slow to, to get to the defender who was quick off the ball. Mm-hmm. And in one case, it led to a quarterback hit, and that was given up by um, Powers against Watt being a, being a step too slow. And Zeitler also gave up a similar play. But it was only a half a penetration in his case. So uh, obviously not ideal situations on either side there at guard from a pulling perspective. Uh, what do I want to talk about otherwise? You know, I want to go back to the blitz for a second because there's a point I really wanted to make and I forgot for, forgot to make it. And that is that I think more of what's happening with the pass rush in this game, more of the pressure that was caused was really about individual failures. It's about the inability to block Highsmith and Watt on the edge uh, to a lesser extent, the inability to block uh, Hayward, uh, Wormley, he, they had some trouble blocking him, but a lot of his, his pressure was frankly cleanup stuff mm-hmm. among his two and a half stack, sacks. But, you know, it, it's not like those guys aren't a difficult set of opponents. And, and Highsmith in particular looks scary as heck to me right now with his spin move. But the Ravens are very limited in terms of what they can do offensively if you can't ever count on winning a one-on-one matchup on the edge. Yeah, that's the problem. That's the big problem is the tackles, I think. It's uh, reminiscent of the Buffalo Bills playoff game, in my mind. And when they, especially when they send numbers and your tackles can't win one-on-one and then you're trying to block extra men, it just uh, derails the offense completely. 
Yeah, that's that's exactly right. If you get one into the backfield and that's the only one, Lamar can often avoid him, move the pocket, roll out, find an opening, get into level two, get you a nice run play. But when two are in the backfield free at the same time, that's usually the end of that. And uh, Lamar had a lot of that tonight. And, uh, you know, a lot of these cases where he got flushed, I didn't feel like he really had a good chance to to unload the ball. Mm -hmm. Like it was, it was, the pressure was there too quickly. There wasn't enough room to move around for him to find a spot to overthrow to the sideline. I mean, all of the things about getting the ball up would have been too dangerous in that situation in terms of risking the fumble. I think Lamar played better than I thought the second, the second time through. There's just not a lot you can do. I mean, he, he's Houdini back there, but when there's, guys all over you and Villanova was getting bold on almost every pass play and there's not an outlet valve on a lot of plays. He put the ball in guys' hands a lot of times when he could and they didn't come down with it. Yeah, it's a, I mean, I think it's a good segue. So let's move on to Lamar while we're there. Uh, he had 14 ample time and space opportunities out of 44 plays. That's 32%. And by the way, that's about normal. That's mm-hmm. not high. It's not low. It's about what he should get. Um, he did a uh, lousy job with his ample time and space opportunities. He averaged 6.1 yards per pass. That's not as bad as it was last week when he had some ridiculously low number, uh, much lower than that. It might have been a yard and a half or two yards per, per play, but it's still bad. You, you should be, he should be averaging about 10 yards per play on those easy pitch and catch, take your time, eat a sandwich in the pocket plays. Uh, but then on his other throws, he had 30 other plays that only went for 134 net yards, and that includes six of the seven sacks. One of them was with ample time and space. Um, and, and the, you know, that's four and a half yards of pass. That's not acceptable either. So it's not any one thing that's really holding the, the Ravens back. The offensive line is not holding up their end of the bargain. There's no doubt about that. But Lamar, relative to the time he's given, is not doing a good job with his opportunities either. Agreed. Agreed. Um, he was inaccurate for a lot of the second half. It, balls were low. Balls were sailing. Also, I counted seven balls that touched receivers' hands that they didn't bring in. Um, so not all of them are perfect throws, but you expect maybe a few more of those to be reeled in. So it was just they're, – they're just so out of sync. They're just so out of sync. They're not clicking. They're not in rhythm. Um I wonder if tempo would help. I know we have a question about that later because when they went with tempo, those were their best drives. Yeah, obviously when they needed to at the end of the game, they marched right down the field. And and one of my issues with going to overtime is that they wouldn't have had that to support them in overtime. Right. You know, it wouldn't it wouldn't have been there. They again had a you know a, a clock management situation where they'd been aware of trying to uh, run it out, but probably not in any kind of hurry up mode. Uh, it's it's unfortunate. Now, you know, this defense is was really overworked in that fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. There wasn't an opportunity, in my opinion, after you get out snapped twenty three to eight in a three drive series, to go up tempo in the middle of that somewhere to try and get your offense turned around. It's just, Campbell was on the field every single freaking play. Mm-hmm. I mean, Williams was on the field almost every play. I mean, those are your guys who are supposed to be playing rotationally. They they played great. But, you know, it, they couldn't have been right at the end of that game. And, and, and that's, of course, when, the, when Pittsburgh scored 17 points on three drives. Reminds me a lot of that 2016 game that eliminated the Ravens on Christmas night uh, when they ended up with the use check not kneeling at the one-yard line. And I think I've beefed about for years. Um, but but it, it, 
it was very frustrating similarly in the, the, the fourth quarter, the Ravens allowed a couple 75-yard drives that night and 15 yards per play on those. These drives were shorter, dinkier, and dunkier stuff, but it was still basically the Ravens could not stop the Pittsburgh Steelers, mostly on first down because they got six plays where they got to second and two or less, and they only once got to third and five or more. So, you know, sure. what do you do? Yeah, I mean, they dominated time of possession overall. I think it was 13 minutes, but not not in crunch time. Not that's right. when they that's when the flips the script flipped, and it just uh, it's very frustrating. Frustrating when you see Lamar under pressure, and then you see Roethlisberger firing the ball out in two seconds, and it just. Uh, I think they need to make some tweaks and they, they need the players to perform better. It's just, as you said, it's a confluence of a lot of different factors working together. The Ravens don't really run much out of bunch formation to try and get picks and rubs the way the Steelers did. But when we looked at the defense last night, I mean, that was the thing that just stuck out time after time is the, the Ravens are rubbing the Steelers cornerbacks off route after route. They're setting picks like they did on the, mm-hmm. on the touchdown. Uh, mm-hmm. near, they put them ahead. Um, Averett's play where, he lost the, for the 29-yard touchdown earlier. It was a 40 and then a 29-yard play mm-hmm. back-to-back. But the second one, I mean, he basically got lost on what effectively was a rub route because the the Steelers' two – the route combination uh, with with Humphrey and, um, and Averitt not paying the kind of attention they needed to to it caused them to run into the same area and kind of get in each other's way a little bit. And that was all it took for Averitt to be, you know, lost far over the middle. So, right. yeah. I want to get back to Lamar for one second. There's one more thing I want to say is, is what does Lamar do this off season? And obviously he's done a great job of working with Josh Harris and working with even other mentors. I think at this point to try and figure out what needs to be fixed. Most of that's going to be mechanically about this game, but I think this has to be a combination of scheme and mechanics this year, because they're going to need additional scheme. And I think I'm really getting to the Ravens need to establish a set of bunch formation plays that they can screw up the opponent's blitz. I think mm-hmm. that's basically what the Ravens need. They see the other teams going to the blitz. You got to be audible in a bunch formation and, and, and be facile picking and rubbing off that, not get an offensive pass interference called and get some easy completions off that. Cause that's what the Pittsburgh Steelers have been able to do. And, and it seems to work. The Ravens, you know, undoubtedly with the type of receivers they have, you have a combination of big bodies and small bodies. That's a good combination for pick routes. You like that. I mean, maybe everybody big would even be better for pick routes. But when you have a couple tight ends in the mix, you can give the opponent nightmares on, under that circumstance. And I just think it's it's going to take a lot of different people doing their jobs this offseason mm-hmm. to make this right. I could not agree more. Great point, spot on. I really think they should have probably focused on it again going back to last year in that game in Buffalo because it wasn't dissimilar necessarily. Lamar overall, he's regressed in some ways. He's making some bad decisions he didn't use to make. That interception was awful, Um, especially in field goal range, especially when you're in four-down territory. Um, Just there's no need to do that, doing a little bit too much. Um, and he's taking a lot of hits this year, I've noticed. Right. We used to say, look, he doesn't take hits. He's so good at evading hits. He takes a lot more hits than he used to. So he needs to get back to some of that where he used to be a year, a year and a half ago. 
Well, in 2019, since they were running out of pistol, he's the outside threat. And that, that sends him to the sideline where he he's the sideline is his friend, seven yards and out of bounds, eight yards and out of bounds. He can do that over and over and over again. And he had a huge percentage of his plays where he basically didn't even get touched in 2019. Mm-hmm. In, in 2020, they switched and they went to mostly sidecar instead of mostly pistol. That makes him the middle threat. And one of your backs from sidecar has to be your outside speed threat. This year, it's worse. They're still at sidecar, and they don't have any speed to get to the outside. Right. So, so that that those guys in the center are more, even more keyed in on Lamar. And I think that's what's leading to some of what you're seeing here is that you know he, he's he, the defense is just much more keyed on Lamar, and they're able to this year because the supporting cast is so weak on offense. Yeah, yeah. And Lamar did have some good balls here. I mean, I think the, the uh, seam shot to Andrews to set up the Freeman touchdown was yeah. a beautiful throw. I thought the touchdown to Watkins was a beautiful throw. Mm-hmm. But it's just not consistent, and there's too much on his plate. And he's not he's not playing at MVP level right now, that's for sure. Yeah, I think we can say that fairly indeed. Let's move on talk some offensive line here because I have a few things I want to say about this. Uh, one of the things is that, you know, seven sacks and the, the previous week, Lamar was responsible for a lot of what happened in terms of trying to turn a pressure into a run rather than a pressure into an incomplete. And, and that's OK if he's making good judgments about you know, getting some of those and occasionally hitting on a 10 or 15 yard run and then taking a two or three yard sack. I got no problem. Lamar's good at generally making that exchange this week. That really wasn't the case. Lamar was running for his life. He was, he was in trouble in the pocket and not able to get the ball off. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these sacks ended up getting charged to the offensive line. In fact, I had, there's 42 points on these sacks that got charged and 28 and a half of them. I had going to the offensive line, which is kind of high because it, it, it does not usually end up being that the offensive line in a whole season even gets half of the total sacks charge. Usually it's free runners. It's the quarterback holding the ball too long on an ample time and space play. It's, it's a, a variety of other sure. circumstances that go with that. Uh, Villanueva completely outmatched by Alex Highsmith. I, it looks like a real long-term problem. I think I mentioned this earlier, but his spin move, devastating spin move. And that wasn't even where he got most of his trouble. He bowled, he bowled Villanueva very easily. Yeah, Villanueva's anchor was a, was a major problem in this game. Um, Highsmith was a project out of Charlotte. I think second year, and he looks like he might be an upgrade over Dupree at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, certainly at the price, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, he's he's a player. Uh, I, you know, one thing you notice from Villanueva technique-wise, and he's still trying to mirror, but he had a couple plays where Highsmith got him off balance. He crossed his feet. And as soon as that happens, you're likely to go down as an mm-hmm. offensive lineman. But he, but he had a, it, for sure one play early. I don't want to ascribe it like it was three because I saw one, but I think I might have seen two. I saw two. And, I saw okay. two. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> that's good. I, I hate to see, I, I really hate to see that happen. And, and you know, when, once technique things like that creep in, you know, 30-year-old lineman or whatever Villanueva is right now. I mean, you know, older guy, Not he's not looking to learn the position at this point. Um, that's bad. Uh, two holding flags. The first one, I think everybody agrees, was ticky-tack. The, the, you know, certainly Romo said, well, that's not a flag, you know, kind of thing. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, the second one, though, he gave up the sack anyway. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he didn't he didn't get charged for that holding penalty, but I but I did charge him for one holding penalty in my in my system. And uh, without the holding flag, he'd have probably been a high F by my scoring, it, 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 adding six points to him. But he gave up one point seven five sacks. That's parts of three sacks, one full one, one half and one quarter and five pressures, which was breaks down as four fulls and two halves. So 
they were basically in Lamar's lap all freaking night against him. And, and I, there's, you can call it a mulligan or whatever. He's used his mulligan this year. So, you know. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, they were expecting a, a stable veteran presence. And, uh, you know, that's what happens sometimes with the third contract guys. Sometimes you hit and sometimes you realize the team that moved on for them made a good decision there, too. So he's, I think the Ravens have him next year at $6 million, If I recall correctly, it was like two years, $16 million, but 10 of it was guaranteed. So $6 million is the option for, for 2022. Do you think there's any chance the Ravens pick that up at this point? I mean, depends on Stanley, depends on Juwan James. Um, but I think that's a, that's a lot of money for, for his performance this year. Right. That's where I am too. I mean, you know, unfortunately right now, if they lost Villanueva, it'd probably be about the biggest loss they could have on the team, and that's a terrible thing. Oh, my God, is that a terrible thing? I mean, you know, they have no one else to play tackle. They're really now trying to figure out who do we have on this roster we're going to stick at tackle and make it work, even though we don't have anyone. Uh, we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah, yeah, let's do that later. <laughs> All right. So pa- Powers is next. Uh, he, you know, a long game has covered some sins for Powers, and this, uh, this happened a couple times recently. We had three pressures, a quarterback hit, and a false start. Seems like kind of a lot to give up. And it's a 69-snap game. One of the things that was not good is he didn't really do all that well on pulls. But on the other hand, I kind of can give him a little bit of a pass on being too slow to box T.J. Watt, who's you know lightning quick off the snap, of course, uh, on a pull to try and avoid that quarterback hit. So, well, it's it's a quarterback hit. It was a tough charge on him. And I realized that, that you know, that's that's the kind of thing that cost him four points out of his pulling score where he had four out of 10 points and he would have had eight out of 10 if he'd been able to make that block or if he just missed it he would have made seven out of 10 obviously so uh, i'm powers i think honestly has played a lot better than most people in the baltimore area give him credit for uh, if you look at the pff standings for the whole year for for his play it's been pretty good that's the way i've scored it is basically i've only had him for a couple of bad games the whole year this was a c minus um it was one of his worst games I'll go to my chart right now. I'll tell you how many how many there've been worse than this year, but it hasn't been much. And yeah, Powers is only this was actually Powers' worst game of the year. This C minus here, so that's pretty good. Um, I thought he had a tough game a few games back. I don't quite recall. I think he gave up two sacks in one game. But uh, I noticed one play he, yep. the uh, the the. Uh, the defensive lineman crossed his face. Lamar was able to hit, so I think it was either Hollywood or DuVernay on a slant, and it didn't turn out too bad. I think Powers is a C-level player. I don't think he's a D or an F-level player. I've been saying that since last year. And he's not a guy that you want to make the anchor of your line. But when you look around the entire league, you could do worse than Powers. Yeah, you could do a lot worse. And you're right. The Minnesota game is the game you're thinking of. The thing that saved him that, and he did give up one point one and two-thirds sacks, so I'm giving out the partials there, and one quarterback hit in that game. But that game is also 89 snaps. Mm-hmm. So that's a case of the length of the game really kind of bailing him out in a rate statistic. So mm-hmm. as it should. You know, it's, yeah, it's fast, fast blocking is a rate game. Yeah. All right. Uh, move on to Bozeman. Mm-hmm. All right. He scored the best for me of any of the linemen. Now, he had a fairly easy matchup, probably the easiest of the group, because a lot of his snaps were trying to block that nose tackle who came off the practice squad, Montrevious Adams. And not that Adams is – yeah, he had a a pass defense in the game, um, but he only allowed half a pressure in the game. 
And excuse me, um, I think if you look at other services, in particular, if you look at PFF, and I don't know how they grade him, Bozeman exactly in this game, but if they have him lower, which I expect they would, it'd be because of his pass blocking score is reduced by some bad snaps. And I've not charged him for that in my system. So uh, okay. he's an A prior to adjustment for me. I had him only for, uh, let me make sure I've got this right, three missed blocks in the game and one half of a pressure. So that's that's not a whole lot uh, of negative, and that's uh, obviously a, a led to the led to the A game here. I think Bozeman is a very solid center, great center. I'd like to keep him in Baltimore for a while. I noticed one of Wormley's cleanups. Um, he was in position to, as they say, looking for work to try to help out, and he couldn't quite get there. So, yeah. um, I mean, that would have been obviously a great if he could. He could not. But he's been the anchor of the group of the group along with Zeitler. But I know Zeitler didn't have his best game this time. No, it wasn't Zeitler's best game. He he had not had a trip to the bathroom since the Detroit game in week three. And and this this wasn't a terrible game. He had eight straight games in the A B range. I mean, that's Yonda esque to go that long in the A B range. Mm-hmm. Um, this game he had a, a half a pressure and a half allowed. He had a one fourth credit of that sack that I divided four ways. He went two for four on pulls. That included a penetration and the, uh, sorry, a half penetration. They had another full penetration. So it wasn't all. It wasn't certainly a bed of roses for him, and certainly an off game. But it's still a still a C minus um, as I scored it. So uh, right at the bottom of the C range. Uh, still been playing pretty well. I, honestly, still the glue that holds it together for the Ravens line right now. If it wasn't for him, you know, doing some of the things with the line calls and, and, you know, working with Bozeman to keep things together. I don't think it, I don't think it'd be working at all. Yeah. You could see him, you know, setting the calls. You you could see that on every play. I think the interior of the line is fine. It's not great. It's not, you know, Cleveland or Dallas or, uh, I don't know who else has a great interior. Cleveland's a good example. Though. Yeah, <laughs> but they're not the problem. They're not prohibiting the offense from from living up to their potential. It's really the tackles and Lamar and the plate and the scheme. I think combined. Yeah, uh, I would agree. I think more than anything, it's probably tag and the running back quality is the other thing for me. Um, McCary, um, he battled against Watt for the first 37 snaps and he got a big adjustment because he was facing Watt, which brings him from a D to a C. I, I still consider that pretty good against TJ Watt. TJ's Watt against McCary is an enormous mismatch. If I knew I was going to get that kind of performance, I've taken it off the bat. No problem. Mm-hmm. Um, even one pressure, uh, parts of two sacks, a quarter and a half. So not the whole thing by any stretch. Uh, put him in the C range. The injury, obviously, very concerning. He left the game immediately, came back in on the next series, and he was able to stay in for a little bit. I don't know if it was the whole series or even into the next series. I'll take a quick look at that. Yeah, he played actually two more series when he came back, and then he had to call it a night. Um, yeah. That was after the they... touchdown, right? Yeah, after, after... after the first touchdown. So, okay, so his injury came uh, on the on basically the play, two plays before the first touchdown. Yeah, and right. Then, and then after that, he played two more series. Mm-hmm. So, so Phillips played the last two of the touchdown drive. Yeah, yeah. McCarty's he's a battler. He's a fighter. What he what he lacks in physical, you know, arm length and that sort of thing. He, I think he makes up with his feet a little bit. Um, 
it's just a shame now that he's been battling injuries. He came back from that first injury sooner than, than I think anyone expected. Um, without McCary, where would they be? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously it'd be a lot worse situation and, and we're about to find out, yeah. I guess is the answer. <laughs> where are we? Uh, Phillips was awful in relief of McCary. And that's one reason why I need to need to go to this next topic. Uh, he was, he had one pressure, a quarterback hit two sacks and that's it spread out over just 32 snaps. He did have two highlight blocks. I want to, you know, talk about when a bad player does some good things to make sure the balance is, is there. But Phillips did really have a, a couple of nice combination blocks uh, that are worthwhile. I think, you know, that's the kind of thing that could help the team at guard uh, maybe more than it does at tackle uh, at mm-hmm. tackle. His feet just need to be quicker than they are. Uh, his, his, Feet and his arms don't work too well together, and he definitely does not use his length effectively the way Orlando Brown could, even with you know moderately slow feet. Yeah, completely agree. Phillips isn't a tackle. Uh, you know, I think that's been well established the last two seasons. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, that's uh, that's what they were comfortable with, and it's. It's it's confusing to me how they did not draft a tackle or find another tackle or keep a tackle that they had in camp around. They were aware. Obviously, everybody knows the story now. They took Ben Mason because Reichard had surgery. Well, Ronnie Stanley had two surgeries, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. you need three tackles. That has bitten this franchise in the butt on several different years mm-hmm. and that's a position you can find a fullback if you need one you can't find a tackle i mean if if, if they had two other fifth round picks uh you know they drafted tylen wallace right at the beginning of the fifth round they drafted i think it was fourth wasn't wade the okay. fifth wade, wade was definitely in the fifth but was there another fifth like a three fives uh, I don't recall. Uh, okay. Moment. Well, point point being, and there might have been two fours and and two fives. Uh, but but in any case, here's here's the point. It, if whatever players you whatever picks you had, I mean, Wallace was not a must have position. It wasn't a big need pick. It was a hope he has an upside pick. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 you know, it's a good gamble. I, I I don't think the Ravens have lost it yet. We'll see. You know, he seems to be a pretty good special teams player. Uh, frankly, he's not Miles Boykin. I don't think is a special teams player. So you know, you have some questions there. But you do have you know, you have a reset on the clock to to year one of the contract mm-hmm. with Wallace. So there's some value there. I I, I think they. They're going to face a lot of criticism for this in the in the coming time. The reset of the pick on Wade is a nice thing to get in in a way, but it didn't help them this year. And right. I know you're a big this year guy. I just I think I'm not necessarily a big this year guy. I just think sometimes they get carried away with the BPA and carried away with assets for the future over. Uh, maximizing your opportunity when you have it sometimes. And it's their top franchise, the top two, three franchise, the way they do business. But I wish they would recalibrate part of that strategy sometimes. I think they would have better success. Okay. Let me ask you, the first question I'm going to ask you, and I apologize if this seems antagonistic, but are you okay. a, season ticket, a season ticket holder? Excuse me? Are you a season ticket holder? I used to be. I, I, okay. Two years ago, I was. Okay. So I, I'll just say this. As a season ticket holder, I really value the way the Ravens run their organization. Mm-hmm. I want to be going to the games every Sunday. I want them to mean something, even if it means the difference between the sixth seed and the eighth seed and out in the AFC. 
Okay. I don't want to be told, hey, we're having a rebuilding year. Well, why the hell am I buying tickets then? You know, kind of thing. You know, what am I going to do with my tickets if if that happens? I, I want to have consistently good football. I grew up with with that with the Baltimore Orioles. You know, that's that's the Orioles of sixty eight to eighty five had eighteen straight winning seasons, and they didn't win every year, but they certainly won enough to justify their mode of operation, including after free agency derailed. You know, what they could do as an organization to hoard the talent they had. I, I just don't like it. And I think, you know, Voss, as much I've, I've had you on the show a number of times and you're one of my favorite guests, by the way, absolutely without question. But when, when we when we have this discussion, you know, there have been other times where we've wanted to make a move for this year. But the problem is you don't know what year is going to be the year because injuries have such a determination of it. So sure. I say, you know, play it out, see what happens and and do your best to manage and, you know, year after year at a relatively level, stable level. Um, my cap, I have a couple counters to that. First, I think it's a different sport than baseball. And I think when you have other teams that are going all in, quote unquote, mm-hmm. if the other teams just take turns doing that and you're always just a half step behind them, um, that's problematic. Uh, I also think it's not necessarily that – go all in this year or last year or the year before. I mean, when you're missing a legitimate piece that you need, that is probably going to prevent you from making that run. But more it was the issue I take is the last two, three years of the Flacco era where they were, I thought the ceiling was the wild card and they were backloading and restructuring and going all in quote unquote maximizing for the wild card if they would have taken a little bit of a reset and you know Ozzy after the first Super Bowl he tried to keep it all together and then Leon Searcy got hurt Jamal got hurt and then they had to blow it up but then I think they cut nine starters but the next year they had a few young guys and they made the wild card, I think, two years after, and it didn't take a long time to rebuild. And then after the second one, they said, we are going to rebuild, but they brought in, instead of saying, well, let's save some cap space, they brought in a bunch of guys and ate up cap space, and they were just a lot of average players that didn't necessarily amount to much in the end. What, what year are we talking about? This is the end 13. Of okay. No, no, and then they had a decent year in 14, but then like Doomerville, the year they make cap casualties sometimes. And then it, 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 I'm not exactly sure why they do it, but I think the strategically it could be done a little bit better. Okay. I, I, the, the one contract I'm going to disagree on is the Flacco contract because there's just no way out of that contract. They did keep backloading it additionally. They could have drafted earlier for a quarterback, Honestly, based on what they have, I don't know how it could have worked out better. I mean, literally, the, the, the transition of franchise quarterbacks being as smooth as it was with a limited amount of, of truly um, non-competitive years that the Ravens had during 13 through 17. You know, it's a five-year period. They made the playoffs once, and they were a legitimate Super Bowl contender that year, despite a bad secondary. They almost beat the Patriots. They almost went to the AFC Championship game. Right. Uh, they, they had a real chance to win it. They were that close into Flategate. And other factors came together, and and they lost. Uh, the 2013 team was not good. I mean, that, that that team had a lot of problems. The 2015 team, all kinds of injuries, like this year. I, I don't know that there's anything you can really do about that. And then and then the 16 and 17 teams. And I'll let you respond in just a second. The 16 and 17 teams both were near misses on the playoffs. 
16 team, probably some game management issues that's led to actually Harbaugh getting better as a game manager in the, in that Christmas night game. And then the, the, uh, the 17 team losing on the touchdown to Boyd. So I guess I'm saying the 13 year, why bring in Marcus Spears and Chris Canty and, you know, spend $15 million in cap space on eight, $2 million guys when you don't really have that ceiling, but also with the Flacco contract, they gave him the extension, um, after he had a negative interception to touchdown ratio and tore his ACL that year. So they gave it to him after that. So I would have said, let him play that, let him play that year out. And then let's see where you are in two years instead of pushing that cap money down the road. And I mean, they've restructured Brandon Williams, I think four times, five times. Um, So that's why you now have an aging defensive tackle that you can't get out of the contract the last couple of years. Well, I mean, he'll, he'll be gone after this year, and he's he's he just had the best game of his of the season. But yeah, I agree. I, if I, I, the thing to do and to be non revisionist about it is to go back and look at each point the Flacco contract was extended, and just look at the team's circumstances at that point and say why did they do it, and if they can come up with a good explanation of why they thought they were contenders then and they weren't, then I'm pretty much okay with it. But but basically, as a season ticket holder, I want to go to section one fifty three week after week, and I want to be there for competitive football. I don't want to be there for a rebuilding year uh, that's that's designated specifically in that way. I, I don't. I really don't want to go through a period where, like the Steelers are about to go through, where they don't know how long it'll be until they have the next franchise quarterback. That's a scary proposition. And the Ravens are going to, uh, you know, we're going to be in a position here, Voss, where, where they're, they're going to tie up a lot of money with Lamar Jackson one way or the other. They're going to do it. I mean, yeah, sure. Yeah. And, and, and once they do that, you know, that, that really is going to limit what they do otherwise. And, and then you can really come to appreciate at that point the Ravens' ability to draft, the Ravens' ability to hoard picks and whatnot, because that's central in terms of, of reloading talent when you really don't have any money to spend on free agency. Yeah, I certainly respect that view. I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, I think that if they could, the re, I don't think they would fall off the cliff if they changed their philosophy, recalibrated by 10% or 15%, because they still have these institutional structures in place. Um, and I just I have a slightly different view on the best way to maximize because. I personally prefer a top-heavy roster because I think if you have injuries, whether you're deep or not, if your top players go down, you're in trouble either way. Okay. All right. I I, uh, I respect the opinion. I even more enjoy having the conversation with you, Bob. Absolutely. So let's, let's let's move on and uh, get to the other topic that I because they're out of offensive tackles. Okay. There's literally no one. If you look at the, uh, I'm going to bring up the the Ravens practice squad guys by now. But oh, oh boy, he got caught. And I mean, he he was a guy the Ravens hoped uh, would be. The, by the way, did they make a they make a roster move today? Did they tra- they pick up Ryan Poole? I didn't I didn't notice. I haven't looked uh, this this evening. I haven't okay. seen anything around four or so. Okay, so I was really hoping they would they would get to that. Uh, he was available and he's not protected on Tuesday. So if they didn't do it by four p.m., then he might be protected by the uh, Indianapolis. Uh, he could have been elevated too, but but he, uh, the Ravens would have had a, a shot to get him today, presumably. Uh, so let's see. In terms of offensive tackles, they still have Jared Jones Smith uh, on the uh, on the practice squad. They have David Sharp still down there, and he's been up for 
He saw some action, didn't he? Wasn't he active as a practice squad elevation at least once? Yes. Uh, it's been it's been a long season. It was uh, about a month ago, I think. Right. So they went from having about five or six guys that could play offensive tackle on the on the uh, practice squad to down to two now again. So everybody's either been elevated, released. You know, they've they've made their peace with who they had which means they probably were bringing in a lot of guys hoping that somebody would be the piece of spaghetti that's, that sticks on the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't seem to have really happened here. I think they, they actually probably need to look at their, at their roster right now and seriously consider moving Ben Cleveland to tackle at this point. I, I, you know, they're not, he's the only lineman who might be good who, who's not playing right now. Uh, maybe Cologne you can put in that category too, but he's certainly not going to play tackle. No, Colin can't play tackle. Um, I, it'd be worth a shot, I think. It, it, depending how how healthy Cleveland is, he has the length, maybe not the foot speed, but clearly right. Phillips doesn't either. So I don't see why not. I, I, let me ask you a question, Ken. Do you think the scheme is harder for street acquisitions to to pick up quickly than other than other places? It's a good question. Um, there are elements of it that are difficult for a right tackle, like the counter plays. But I would have said when they ran out of pistol, it's an easier system for all linemen and certainly for the right tackle in particular, because their offense is right handed, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. And they're doing most of their pistol reads looking right with Lamar and allowing an unblocked defender to come in on that side, which means the only responsibility for the right tackle is down block on the guards guy, that defensive tackle move up half a level to level two, hit the scraping linebacker. Lamar's responsible on those edge runs. Frankly, I don't know why they haven't gone back to more of the pistol. They went back last week. They went to a little bit of pistol and a little bit of sidecar. And then this week, not as much again. So I'm, I, I want to see more where Lamar is really the edge threat mm-hmm. on read plays at, out of pistol as opposed to just handing the ball off out of pistol. I agree because that's what you know. They say that the uh, the fronts aren't respecting the edge. So who's right. going to be who's going to force them to respect it more than Lamar? Right. All right. Well, there you go. Okay. Um, so we talked a little bit about Obohi being gone. About who we had cover all that. I think so. So the other skill position players. Let's talk about them. There's not a lot to talk about from this game, I don't think. But pick a player you'd like to talk about, Voss, and we'll, we'll talk about them and we'll alternate. Uh, I think Hollywood had a good game. Um, he had that nice uh, curl route on the final drive for the 22-yard pickup. He also had that 17-yard catch down the right sideline on third and eight where he got down real low and got his hands underneath the ball. And also the defensive pass interference he drew on uh, Fitzpatrick. If Lamar let him, that's a touchdown. So I thought Hollywood was the best of the uh, of the receivers at least. Yeah, I, I agree. He, I mean, he looked good. He's he's getting the most snaps of anybody by far. His yards per target was still not great if you don't include that uh, pass interference drawn. But with the pass interference drawn, they're back in line uh, and, and and quite good. So uh, I'm I'm obviously fine with what what he did during the game. Uh, maybe I'll talk about Bateman a little bit. And I know there's been some jawboning today on Twitter uh, that I've noticed anyway of Bateman being upset with his amount of playing time. And he got 33 snaps in this game. Watkins got 34. Duvernay got 44. Brown got 64. I mean, they played a lot more wide receiver snaps in this game, by the way. Yeah. Prochet six snaps and Wallace one. So everybody got time who was in at wide receiver. 
I, I don't know why Bateman would be super upset about getting 45% of the snaps. I, I guess I can understand why he'd want to get more targets because he got one target and he didn't catch it. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, there's going to be games like that. And you know, Harbaugh talked about it today. They're not going to chase targets for a particular player. Maybe it was yesterday. Uh, that they're that you know that's not what the game's about. The game's about finding open opportunities and whatnot. I, I think Bateman had Lamar's trust, so I don't know why he wouldn't be getting some targets if he's relatively open. I didn't notice him being open very much in this game. He also had a false start penalty, and his target he dropped. It bounced off his hands. Right. So. I guess it's the rookie curve a little bit. I think he's with Watkins back in the fold. He's not getting quite as much opportunity. I have a lot more sympathy or at least understanding for if there really is discontent after a loss as opposed to a win because uh, you certainly don't want to be whining after a win. But um, it's, you know, he's going to he's a rookie. He missed the beginning of the season, and it's a, it's a learning curve. Right. Yeah, I, I agree, and, and he's up there in the team near the team lead in drops. I, I I think he would be higher on a per target basis than most of the other big guys. Uh, Sammy Watkins had some problems with drops too this year, though, so maybe that's not that, that's not true. I'm trying to try to kind of go back in my head over who's who's had. They take turns. Everybody has a bad game. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Andrews has had some drops. Andrews, you know, he had. The five interceptions, the last two games, I guess it was, or the four interception game and the one interception game, all five of those were targets of Mark Andrews. Yeah. So. And he dropped two balls in the first quarter, mm-hmm. and um, the two-point attempt uh, touched his fingertips. So. Yeah, I, I I don't really blame that one on Andrews. I like Andrews falling on the sword for that. That's leadership right there. I'm I'm happy he did that. Um, but, uh, but, yeah. Devonta Freeman, how about we talk about him? Because he played reasonably well, I think, given the circumstances he's been tossed in. Sure. Um, Broke four tackles on his 18-yard catch, check down. Also had an 18-yard run on a counter. I thought he ran hard. I thought he looked pretty spry. His jump cuts are are very, very sharp. And uh, I thought this was – I think this was his best game as a Raven. Yeah, I agree. I think he improved. Uh, he's been, been certainly getting a higher percentage of these snaps his last five weeks or so, uh, and, and deservedly so. He's he's been doing things to earn them. Uh, he's been he's been very useful as a receiving back, which right away that's going to put you in a great spot to pick up games, pick up snaps in obvious receiving situations. But more than that, he hasn't proven to be an absolute zero as a runner the way Murray has. And so it's, it's getting tougher and tougher for them to figure out where do we actually want Murray in the game. And, th- you know, they got him in for 15, 18 snaps, whatever it was in this game. But to get him as a pass blocker, maybe that's right. what you do because he has two receptions in this game. I, but otherwise, I'm, I'm not sure what you do. Maybe he becomes your second down back if you want to get Freeman in there for first and third down. Uh, I don't know what you do. I, I think I think pass protection, Murray is is strong, and he did show some uh, elusiveness after the catch here. So just build on that. Uh, just to go back to Andrews real quick, because I thought he overall he had a good game despite some, but on two different occasions he put his head down and plowed through to uh, to pick up a tough first down. Yes, and that was a uh, very very good. 
Yeah, yeah, very, very happy with him after the catch recently, and and his on-field awareness is very high in terms of where those markers is. You know, we've got the yellow line. Of course, that's not what it looks like on the field, mm-hmm. and you and you wonder sometimes how are the players so good at figuring out exactly what they need in terms of the line to gain. But they they're they're they must have mechanisms for for knowing that that are on the field that they say, okay, I need to make it to the forty-one point two or something, and uh, you know they're able to calibrate that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I, I want to talk about Devin Duvernay because, you know, you mentioned the orbit motion that he'd been used in. And I thought that was that was a positive additional wrinkle. Uh, you know, we'd seen some of that from Hollywood, but Duvernay is a, is a good speed option on the outside that still allows you to run a vertical with Hollywood on that same play. And I, I think it gives the Ravens more options. I still wish they would use him out of the backfield more. And you know, this might end some of the receiving quandaries. And it probably wouldn't. But if they put him in the backfield... I said 10 when I was on the lounge, but I, but I, I want to say four times per game, five times per game, you know, some amount that shows the other team that they're serious about using it, where they actually hand him the ball uh, and go to the mesh and show that Lamar can either pull it or he can hand it off, hand it off in the mesh. If they showed that to other defensive coordinators, it would, it would force some degree of respect. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think everyone that, uh, Covers the Ravens, follows the Ravens, is in agreement with that, except for uh, Greg Roman. <laughs> Duvernay, I remember pre-draft, you know, he's built like a running back, you know. That was the the first line of his uh, his profile. Um, and I thought I did think it was interesting that he had more snaps than both uh, Bateman and Sammy this week. But uh, he's a versatile piece. He seems to just be a spark. It, it, almost every time, he seems to get the first down every time he has a ball in his hand. He had a nice game returning Oh, as a return man this this week too, I thought. Right. Okay. Well, uh, we're not going to name MVPs after a loss. Did you have anybody else you want to talk about before we move on? Uh, just right card. I thought he did really well to get that drive started, that ninety nine yard drive with that uh, nine yard catch and bulldoze, whatever you want to call it. Had some nice blocks. Had a nice uh, second level block with Fre- Freeman's touchdown. I'd like to see him more involved. That uh, Tennessee playoff game, we saw once they started getting him involved, all of a sudden uh, they they put a nice drive together. So I think he's part of the the, the way to unlock what uh, what the defenses are throwing at them now. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think it would really help. And you know, there's things he can do as a chipper and a release that you can still get off in time mm-hmm. on the edge of a of a situation like that. So if you're you, not if you're overloaded, but if you've got your unoverloaded side and he's making a block to make it unoverloaded on that side, you can get him out. And and he's very dangerous uh, when he gets out there. If it's all small players in the defensive backfield at that point, certainly. All right, let's let's go to the mailbag if we can. We've got a lot of good questions out there. I think you, you've had a head start on me and kind of getting a look at this. Um, uh, we'll just go, if you want to pick one, I'll pick one too, and then we'll just alternate until we, we think we've exhausted it pretty much. I'm going to work from the bottom here, so you might want to work from the top. Okay. Um, you want me to go first? Sure, if you want. This is from James Lorman. Why wasn't Lamar throwing to his receivers until the final drive of the game? Were they not open? Was it the play calling? He seems gun shy when not thrown to Andrews. Uh, you want to take, take a Go shot ahead. at it first? Yep. Uh, I, I, well, I mean, I'd say if you look at the targets for the game, I think the receivers got a fair number of targets, particularly Brown. Uh, Bateman obviously didn't, uh, but you know, Watkins got six targets. Uh, Duvernay 
probably was not utilized as much. And obviously Bateman was not utilized as much as, uh, as we might've hoped. But, uh, you know, part of it also is if you're, if you're doing any kind of a, a route that takes time to develop, you know, if, if the blitz is getting there quickly, it's going to make it very difficult for those to happen. Uh, you know, the other thing about this is that the Ravens had fewer extended play opportunities in this game, meaning, meaning, um, fire opportunities where he leaves the pocket mm-hmm. and the play's getting extended three, four, five seconds, uh, where there's, where there's a chance for some receiver to make, make space on the field. And he often does look for Andrews. It's true in those situations or sometimes Brown. Uh, but those are opportunities also for a player like Bateman, uh, or Duvernay to earn the trust of Lamar by being in the right place at the right time. Yeah, completely agree. You have to take what the defense was giving you. I think they had some nice checkdowns. When the defense is sending numbers, you have to look underneath sometimes. And there was a couple different plays where Lamar went was flushed out of the pocket and couldn't quite get that, make that extra step to buy enough time to find somebody downfield. All right, got a question here from Minion Hunter. He says, what do you make of the Bateman agent switch? Just coincident, or is he pissed at not being used and wants out? He's a first-round pick. He got injured, and Ravens are full of injuries. He's not being targeted as snaps are dropping. Uh, there's a whole lot of statements in there, and I think some of them, most of them are true, but, but some of them are not. And Bateman's still got 45% of the snaps. Uh, you're right, he's not in the 60s anymore. Uh, but there's also been some healthier receivers, like Watkins is back now. So you, you would expect his snaps to drop some, that he wouldn't be on the field all the time, and he'd have to lose some stats to returning receivers. Uh, you know, one of the problems is his hands have just been not secure this year. That's probably cost him some targets. I think, you know, he'll regain that trust with Lamar and hopefully he'll take every opportunity to practice with Lamar this offseason the way Hollywood naturally will uh, as well. Yeah, I'm not going to speculate on the agent change or anything. Obviously, we don't know about that. Um, But what was the other part of the question? Uh, there was a whole lot of it. Uh, just coincidence or is he pissed at Watts out? I don't think you want to ask that. He's a first round pick, got injured full of in- and Ravens full of injuries. He's not being targeted and his snaps are dropping. I mean, the part of the problem is that they've had some wide receivers that have come back and a lot of his opportunity came when Watkins, for example, was out. Right. Yeah. And he's a rookie, you know, uh, it's a dangerous precedent to now start the uh, Hayden Hurst wants to trade or Leonard Brown wants to trade Rashad Raven wants to trade. I mean, that's not the, that's not the way you want a team. Yep. Okay. Good point. Uh, you got another one, ready? Yeah. Connor Keller-Strauss. Uh, what are your thoughts on the offense going up tempo more often slash sooner to also help negate opposing pass rush? I, I mean, I personally would love to see that. It's it's the kind of thing where um, uh, I think you the defense in particular the last couple of games before this was dominating snap gap by twenty plus per game. That's you can take a chance at some point during a game to go up tempo to see if you can fix the offense because it was a weird case. Both those games they had three point nine yards per offensive play, and yet they won the won the snap gap by twenty. So what what the hell is going on here, first of all? But but, but second of all, that's the kind of game where if your defense hasn't been overly taxed in terms of snap count, that's a good game to try no huddle, risk a three and out, see if you can get some big play mojo started out of it, and see if you can freaking get some fear in opposing defenses and not just let them, you know, ignore your running backs, you know, just erase him from their visual picture of the field and, uh, and just key on Lamar. Exactly. It's really become a, a stick-to-stick offense. They had only had two plays of more than 20 yards in this game, and I think tempo would be great. It neutral. Obviously, those pass rushers get tired. 
coming, you know, coming with a full head of steam snap after snap. And you see a lot of offenses do that successfully in other teams around the league. So I, I would I completely co-sign. would like to see more of that. Yeah, when they've done it this year, they've been very good. So they've always been good at the end of halves the last several years. So so that's never been a problem. But they've, they've been good at the end of games when they've had to come back. You look at the Colts game. You look at this game. Even look at the game with Huntley against the Bears. I mean, the Ravens have been able to, to do things effectively to move the football when the other team has to huff and puff and get back to the line of scrimmage and start to rush the passer again. It's usually a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, I got another one. Mark Blue says, who replaces McCary and what's the deal with Ben Cleveland? Uh, I wish I knew what the deal with was deal was with Ben Cleveland. I think Voss, you're probably correct to speculate that there's there might he might not be completely healed, so he's healthy enough to be OL eight right now, but he's not healthy enough to start somewhere on the line where he could really help the Ravens. Yeah. Um, we'll see what it looks like next week. Um, certainly opportunity to make a change there. Uh, this comes from Aiden Bradley. Good question, I think. Why didn't the Ravens run more plays away from TJ Watt on the two-point conversion? He rushed Lamar completely unblocked, hence missing the throw. How would you draw this play to neutralize that? You want to go first? I think it could slide protection. Um, they had five offensive linemen blocking three defensive linemen at the end of the play, and four of the offensive linemen ended up on the ground. But also, I think the idea that, oh, he's the – Best pass rusher, you got to cover him all the time. Sometimes that's not schematically the best way. Sometimes it's better to leave that guy unblocked because you're not necessarily going to be able to block him anyway and let Lamar key off of him and see what he can do from there. Yeah, I, I agree. And I thought that Lamar probably moved up in the pocket and then he pump faked that kind of messed the timing of the play up. So uh, he had a chance to get wide of that play and still have time to make that play to Andrews uh, where Watt would not have been in line to, to knock that ball down. I think Watt would have had to come after Lamar or at least go to Lamar's outside hip to contain him if he'd started a move to the right. You know, because obviously, you know, T.J. Watts, I'm not, well, he's, he's a great football player, but there's nothing that makes him into rubber man that would suddenly be able to make him, make him be able to knock down a pass when Lamar is able to, to move his feet a little bit and, and uh, adjust the throwing lane. So it's, it, it was a shame it didn't work out. I really liked the, the, the decision to, uh, to go for two. We haven't talked about that uh, yet. I don't know if that's in the, in the question here is we're talking about the two point conversion let's, now, but let's go to it. Yeah. Yeah. But how did you feel about it? I thought it was the perfect, I completely agreed with it before I knew Marlon Humphrey was hurt. I thought you had him pinned back. You had him on your heels. You've been riding lady luck throughout the whole season and you're on the road. And I thought that was, I completely agree with the decision to go for it. Okay. I, I agreed with the decision too. I was on with Jerry Coleman and he said, well, the Ravens have only made, two out of six this year and three out of 10 during the Lamar era. And I think if you really believe that sample, which I do not believe that that's representative of what Lamar's actual percentage is to to convert this, then if it was 30%, then you probably would say, no, I wouldn't do it. But if, if you're really talking about how high did that, that chance have to be, I think it only had to be in the low forties because I think that was about the Ravens chance to win the game in overtime uh, under the circumstances. Mm-hmm. And there are two major considerations. One is the kicker, honestly, is a, is a consideration, but it's first possession that is the really big question. So if, if there's two cases. If you lose the toss and Pittsburgh gets the ball first, 
they've scored three straight drives. You haven't been able to stop them. Your defense is tired, and I think you'd had a hard time keeping them out of the end zone or, or, or at least even keeping them from, from getting a field goal. The other part of that is that if you win the toss, you, you might score a touchdown. The Ravens did that to win against the Colts and they just had some consecutive plays. So maybe they could build off that and and get another drive going. But if you don't score or, or if you kick a field goal, even more seriously, you give Roethlisberger a four down football opportunity and their offense against our set of corners. I think that would have been a lot worse outcome for the Ravens. I think they'd be able to move the field, move the ball down the field consistently and easily with quick passes and the set of corners the Ravens would have had to put out there because it might have been uh, Stevens in the slot and Jimmy Smith and Averitt on the outside. If they put a third receiver on the field, uh, you know, consistently, you know, the tight end all of a sudden becomes a big mismatch for a linebacker or, or, or a safety. I mean, just a lot of things can go wrong. I, you know, the Ravens already proved their inability to, to be effective with numbers on the blitz. So I think that they'd have been severely disadvantaged in a four down football situation against Roethlisberger, which is why I think you can, you can justify a very low break, even percentage on the two point conversion. Agreed. Agreed. Last time, uh, Justin Tucker missed one against New Orleans two years ago in that same situation. So nothing's automatic. There you go. Good point. Good point. All right, Voss, love doing this show with you, man. Uh, many times as we could have you, we'll do it. Uh, I know you're a busy man now. Uh, your child situation? I have two I children. You. Okay. Eight and six. Eight and six. Any new ones on the on the way? No, no, we're finished. Uh, don't know who I'm confusing you with, but but I apologize for that. Uh, and if there's, yeah, well, we don't need to go into that way because it would it would not be funny to your wife if we. If we said <laughs> I don't know where you were going, but it made me laugh. <laughs> it would have been, there's nowhere good it could have gone. It's one of these questions. <laughs> so, um, uh, it's, it's you know one of the things you can never win at. We we had uh, you know a, a, a meeting of the of the officers uh, around the, the table one uh, uh, one time, and the uh, uh, there's a picture of the head of uh, IT being passed around, and she had brought it. And our president had a question about it, and, and, and he started asking. And he goes, "No, we'll do that." And I go, "Yeah, there's no place good that any question about a 25 year old picture of your head of IT can go. There's nowhere." <laughs> so uh, you, we got to be careful about these things. Anyway, Voss, really appreciate you coming on the show. Other people, if you want to do a 25 year, I'm sorry. First of all, where can they find your stuff? Yeah, you talk I am uh, the co-managing editor of Baltimore Beatdown a Baltimore Ravens blog with SB Nation. And you can find me on Twitter at Vasilis Beatdown, V-A-S-I-L-I-S Beatdown. All right. Outstanding, Vas. Really uh, a good guy to, to banter with, so make sure you give him a follow on Twitter. Uh, other folks out there, if you want to do a 25 years episode, I'm still looking for about three. Uh, these are the last ones I, I have time for. It got great ideas, great response all season. I really appreciate everyone jumping in on this. We're still like three weeks ahead in terms of ones in the bag. So we're basically right down to the last couple here that uh, th- that have to be recorded. But send me a quick uh, DM on Twitter. Want a narrowly focused idea that we can go deep on in about 20 or 25 minutes. Love to have you on for something like that. Uh, Voss, thanks again for coming on. My pleasure. Happy holidays. Yeah, happy holidays to you. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study.
Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.